0: How has your stress been lately? If I ask uh, any of you that on a certain day, it can, uh, some days are good, some days are bad, right? Well, my week's been a little bit crazy. I've been helping my wife set up for VBS. Uh, Kathy's, uh, as I told you last week, is uh, is on the uh, disabled list right now. You know, if she was on the football team, she hurt her back, but she's healing and doing better. Greg is away. And uh, it's been one of those weeks where you, I've been pulled in a lot of different directions. I'm Trying to raise a bunch of money for our youth group about fifteen thousand dollars or worth working on raising and uh we are uh, um, along with vbs been doing hospital visits and uh taking phone calls all the things that you know that makes for a full week however it has been incredibly stressful and uh one of the reasons is i lose lots of things if anybody's known me for a long time I just have a habit of losing keys, losing my sunglasses, uh, I haven't lost my kids yet. They're, uh, there's, there's one of them back there. So, um, but anyway, uh, and this has been going on for a, a lot of my life, this, uh, you know, losing stuff. And a matter of fact, when I went to, uh, seminary, when I was in Vancouver, British Columbia, one day I lost the most important thing, my passport. And it was close to Christmas time, so I was going to fly back to see my folks and, you know, my brothers and sister, and I was all excited, and I couldn't find my passport, so I started freaking out, you know what I mean? I'm, like, looking through stuff, you know, walking around like like this, where is it? You know, I had that intense look on my face, and I'm going, and, you know, finally I went over to one of my friends' house, uh, who was in school with me, and he's from New Zealand, and he's the most relaxed guy I've ever met in my life. And I'm like, I'll just talk to, his name was Steve as well, which is kind of ironic because he was like the calm Steve on the stress Steve. And uh, he's like, oh, what's the problem, mate? You know, And his, I'm not going to even try to do a New Zealand accent. And uh, trust me, you don't want to, you wouldn't want me to do that. So I go there and uh, I'm telling him I can't find my passport. I'm not going to be able to fly home. And he said, you know, hey, let's just have a cup of coffee. And I'm going, yeah, sure. You know, are we going to talk about this? And So we sat there and we didn't talk about my passport at all. We just sat there and had a cup of coffee on the veranda, you know, kind of overlooked the street. And as we're having coffee, all of a sudden I had this light bulb go off and I go, you know what? I made copies of my passport about two months ago at a copy shop down the road. Maybe it's in the lost and found. And so I got all excited and I went and sure enough, they had a lost and found with just my item there, by the way, (laughs) because I guess they never needed one before this American came to Canada. And uh And there it was, my passport. You see, I just needed to change my perspective. Just having coffee, kind of decompressing, it helped me to uh, find what I was looking for. We all deal with stress in our life. Americans are not immune to that. Uh, If you go to any Google statistic, they'll tell you that stress is one of the major causes for ER visits, for going to the Doc in the Box at CVS. That stress can do wreak havoc on our health. For many of us, we feel oftentimes in our life that we're running around like a cell phone that has about 10 percent charge left on us. You know, you hear that beep, that warning, and you're like, oh, gosh, I just got to do more. You know, have to go here. I have to go there. And it doesn't matter what age. Remember, I took my parents to Sun City. They were thinking about living there and they were overwhelmed with all the activities there. They had people doing everything and they were like, whoa, we thought we were retiring. But, hey, it was just getting started. So it doesn't matter your age. Stress can be a big part of our lives. And those with teenagers, you know that it doesn't end there. Sometimes it begins there. From maybe their behavior to travel sports to academics, trying to get them from point A to point B. And it doesn't change even for when you have smaller children like I do. The other day we were trying to get our eight-year-old Isla to go to bed, and she's like, gosh, Mom and Dad, I'm just trying to relax and enjoy my vacation. You know, it was like 10 o'clock at night. and (laughs) So even she needs to Relax. You know, when it comes to our relationships, even in our country, because we're such a work culture uh, and, uh, you know, commerce, all this stuff is part of our culture. Even our terms in relationships are stressful. We're working on relationships. We're spending time with people. We're investing in people. And then oftentimes we find ourselves emotionally bankrupt, right? Because we're just exhausted. In the movie The Fight Club, Tyler Durbin said... um, It's kind of the sinister character in the story. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like that much. Even our finances obviously can cause us stress. So what about our faith? Is there just a magic solution? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I think sometimes when we're so stressed, our faith even becomes an afterthought. Maybe we just look to God when we need a lot of help, like we get pulled over for a speeding ticket. Oh, God, please don't give me a speeding ticket. Or when we want something, you know, that tends to be the vending God, you know, vending machine God. God, I want this. I want a good life. I want less stress. Or for a lot of us, even as churchgoers, people who uh, consider themselves follower of Christ, oftentimes we behave like God is the clockmaker. That's what a lot of people kind of consider agnostics where he set things in motion And our job is just to punch our life little card in, punch it in, and try not to get fired. You know, we live life. We're just trying to do what we can to be a good person, but we don't really feel that connection with God. Well, navigating life on our own is difficult, and it can fill us with stress. But the good news, as we're going to unpack God's word today, is that when we truly know what it means to be connected to God... It provides us with that new perspective, almost like when I met with my friend, where we see things a different way. And yes, we're still going to have stress in our lives, and we're going to have all those times where we feel burned out. But we're going to feel an energy and a connection with God, because he's going to connect us with other people as well. And we're going to have others to help us carry our burdens as we navigate courageously through life together with others, with God. So this morning, I want to begin by talking about our connection to God. The vertical connection. If you read the readings that we didn't read today in the the scripture in the Anglican prayer book, one of them was the Ten Commandments. And you look at the first three commandments in the Ten Commandments, and they're all about our vertical relationship with God. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The first thing God is concerned with in those commandments is our connection with him. And it's not to steal our joy. He just doesn't want us making gods out of things that are temporary, like money or status, things that don't last. He doesn't want us using his name to try to, like, deceive others. You know, kind of saying, well, I swear to you-know-who that I'm, I'm going to pay your money back. He doesn't want us to put that kind of pressure on ourselves. He wants us to be connected with him. These laws were designed to bring us life and to make sure that connection with him is solid. this is the church season. We're going to talk a little more about this today, about growth. That's why we have green right here, green right there, green right here. Some of you are wearing green. It's not even St. Patrick's Day. But green is a sign in the church calendar of growth. How do we grow in Christ? How do we become a strong Christian so that we have that connection with God? I grew up in a church culture where people would say, well, that person's a strong Christian. And I never really knew what that meant. I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, they maybe knew a lot of Bible verses or they were... You know, I, I didn't know what it meant back then, but I knew that you said that a lot of times. You would say they're a strong Christian. Then I went to college, and there was this group of guys that were like bodybuilders that came around and bent stuff and knew Bible verses, like they'd bend steel. They were like, and they were great guys, but, you know, and they were actually strong Christians. But I realized it was, it was more than that. And it was really as I started to get older, I understood what it mean, meant to be connected with God. And it comes from our funeral service. You see, any time we have a funeral, the priest walks from the back to the front and they read these words. For none of us has life in himself and none can become his own master when he dies. For if we have life, we are alive in the Lord. And if we die, we die in the Lord. So then whether we live or die, we are the Lord's possession. Life is not found in ourselves. Life is found when we're connected to God. On this side of heaven and for eternity, that's where life is found. In John's Gospel, John loved to talk about life. He said, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Life is found in this connection with God. Now, when we look at our Gospel reading today, when I read about Jesus telling that he was Lord of the Sabbath, the Pharisees were trying to... uh, Keep all the rules. They were trying to do all the right things, which wasn't bad in itself, but the problem was they were missing the big picture. They were missing the forest for the trees, so to speak. They were trying to do this on their own self effort. Their faith was really, like that service said, in themselves to be good people. So Jesus confronted that. He said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You see, Sabbath in the Ten Commandments, again, was not something that God just said, let's just throw that out there so they have something else to do. Back then, people, and as we know people today, were working themselves to death. It was a desert culture oftentimes. It depends where they were. And uh, these people work hard. A Sabbath rest was designed so people wouldn't keel over after working so hard. It was a time to recuperate. It was a time to be refreshed. So this fourth commandment It was designed for people. It wasn't people just doing it for the sake of doing it. It was designed to restore people, to bring them life. See, God's rules were not only getting people connected to him, it was also having people be healthy so they could love themselves and love other people, that horizontal relationship. What brings us to our next point, the second connection that God is concerned about for us is our connection with other people and that W-I-T-H is in big, bold, capital fonts, with others. See, our life is not our own. We are at our best when we're connected to God, and we're connected to other people. So the Sabbath story, that was not the end of the story. As Paul Harvey used to say, here's the rest of the story. After he said this about being Lord of the Sabbath, he entered into the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and the hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately immediately conspired with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. The Sabbath was meant for people. And if you think about this guy with the withered hand, he wouldn't even be able to work in order to enjoy a Sabbath. So it's kind of ironic. Jesus restores the man so that he actually can enjoy Sabbath by having two hands that he can work. And yet the Pharisees, again, were missing the point as I like to call them, adventures in missing the point, they grew angry. They didn't understand this. But Jesus understood this. When people asked him what the greatest commandment was, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All All the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. James, Jesus' brother, said, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. The golden rule, as we like to call it. See, this was vital, and this is vital. It was vital back then. It's vital for us to be connected to God through faith and to be connected with other people. Because there's so many things that we go after in life are temporary, But the one thing at last is our relationship with God and what we leave other people, the faith that we leave others. John Ortberg, and he has a great book, and you're going to love the title. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. And he writes this about the danger of focusing on what is temporary. He says, the day is coming when all our 401ks and our bank statements will be irrelevant. The title on our resumes will no longer impress anyone. GPAs, SATs, scores, and college acceptance will be long forgotten. No one will know what clothes hung in our closet or what cars sat in our garage. All that will be left is love. That which was done out of love for God will last. See, the object of life is to be rich toward God, to be connected through faith and to share that faith with other people. Those are the things that last. So after Jesus healed this man and restored him, it's interesting what happened next. The Pharisees and the Herodians conspired to do away with him. Jesus was familiar with struggle. So what did he do? Did he hide out? Did he go to another country to escape? No. And just a little bit later in the chapter, he gathered 12 guys to walk through life with him, to share struggle with him. Because he was going to pass on his legacy, his ministry to them. And they were going to be the ones who built the church. They were going to be the ones that he w- walked with in life. That understood this connection with God. They were going to share the faith. So, this struggle, this, tra- uh, this struggle that Jesus talks about, the Apostle Paul talks about this as well. He says that we have this treasure in jars of clay as the reader read earlier. You see we are humble vessels and we're believers. We understand that life is not easy. We don't deny that there's struggle. These are a lot of churches in uh um even around now and back in the day of the of Corinth when Paul was writing that deny struggle. It's kind of the name it claim it gospel. If you name it you'll get it, health and wealth. And health and wealth they're not bad things in itself. But what Paul was trying to do is put people into reality. Yes, you may become rich in life, but your money's to give to other people, to help other people. Yes, you may have status, but don't use your status to squash other people. Use your status, your, uh, use your, uh, status to lift uh, and build other people up. See, Paul exposed uh, these false uh, uh, gospels that were going on in his day. See, in uh, Corinth as well, status and wealth had become a big part of the church. And they were kind of denying that there was struggle. They didn't like to talk about it. Maybe you have relatives like that. We don't talk about anything bad. We just focus on the positive. But Paul was saying, come on, we need to get real. Life is struggle. It's not easy. But we have this hope. We have this real hope of eternal life. That when all is done, it's not over. It's not the end of the story for us. It's just the beginning. We have the real hope of eternal life. So while we're on this side of heaven, we're not only going to be together. We're going to walk with each other through the struggles, through the ups and downs in life. Just as when things started getting tough for Jesus, he right away, it was part of God's plan to get these 12 disciples to walk with him, to grow a community. The Apostle Paul says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We don't live in denial of pain. We don't pretend like everything is good, but we're very happy. We're very positive people because we have real hope. Yes, we share in each other's struggles, but we do have joy amidst the struggles because we know that death does not have the final word for all who believe. So what about you? Are you running on empty? Do you feel like you're that cell phone that has 10% left and is beeping? Connect with God. Maybe reconnect today. You know, there's a simple acronym I used to like to use, but I kind of changed a little bit through the years. It was ABC. I guess that's not really an acronym. That's just three letters, right? It doesn't spell a word. But, um, but mine is ABS. Admit, believe, and submit. Admit that life cannot be found in you alone. Admit that you need to be connected to God. Believe put your faith and hope and trust in him and then submit Say god my life belongs to you Jesus says and this is really cool. He says anybody who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and make our home with them And that's not just when you die Christ wants to make his home The holy spirit wants to make his home. The father wants to make his home in your hearts in your families in your workplaces and your day-to-day life as you walk and go about. That you could experience the joy of that fellowship. You know that God is with you always. Another thing that, we can, uh, that you can do is to make time to connect with God every day. Do Bible study prayer. You know, we always tell you that, but I'm telling that to myself too. Get recharged. We have worship and communion on Sundays and Wednesdays. Find other times that you could connect Daily. Jesus woke up before it was still dark and he connected with his father. He modeled that for us to recharge ourselves. And remember, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, as I preached about last week, to remind us of who we belong to, our adoption, and to remind us that we do not need to be afraid in this life, that God is with us no matter what we face. So what can we do as a church to live out this message today, this message of connection, the vertical connection, the horizontal connection. How can we live that out and make it more of a reality? One, we can be a uh, nurturing community. And this actually is an acronym that I picked up from a friend of mine. It's called SALT. Share all life together. That we could be the type of community in our horizontal relationships that we don't just walk around going, hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. And just kind of walk on. But we could share what's really going on, our highs, our lows, what we're excited about, pray with one another, Share all life together. Let's be a place that continues to cultivate that. Also, let's create special moments as a body that we can help people to connect with God. I know Veronica and all the children, volunteers, and the teenagers and the middle schoolers next uh, uh, tomorrow are going to be creating a special moment where the kids in our community, 59 of them, by the way, are going to be able to have a chance to connect with God and hear the story about how Christ came to save them. We have our everyday connections, but we also create these special moments. We have the power and the resource to do those kind of things. Finally, uh, with the sharing struggles, um, we can also confess our sins and our shortcomings with one another. I remember as a young man going struggling with a lot of the things that young men struggle with and went to a guy in my church kind of timidly and told him what I was struggling with. And he prayed for me, told me reminded me about Christ's forgiveness because I already knew it. And I remember feeling so free how it was just to lay our burdens down on each other, being able to pray for each other, to get real. And finally, we need to be a place, as we were reminded in the Blackaby Conference, realizing that our faith does last because we have the opportunity to leave a legacy, a legacy for the next generation, for our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our neighbors, the love we share with them. That comes from our faith. The hope we share with them in Christ is something that can last from now through eternity. Let's be reminded of that as a church. I know we do these things, but we need to do them over and over. Still, it starts becoming more and more of a habit in our lives, especially when we all face the stresses of life. So I want to leave you with an image and end with this. If you all could put it on the screen. I talked to you about Perspective. When I was out in Vancouver, I was very stressed with school. I was losing things, as I told you before. And I remember one day, it was right before exams, uh, one of my friends, uh, Adrian from Scotland, wanted us all to go on a hike. And it was a miserable hike because it was kind of raining like it does in Vancouver at first. And one of the uh, girls who went on the hike was wearing Birkenstocks, which we don't know why. We thought She started getting blisters, and I was losing my patience. I'm like, really? And Adrian, being so patient, got all his, like, First aid kit and help to uh, heal her up and give her some socks. And uh, so anyway, we uh, we finally got to the top and we saw this amazing view of Lake uh, Garibaldi. And I remember just you have those moments in life where you just know that God is real and that God meant us to uh, live life together. Even when it's struggle, we're annoyed with each other and just looking at that beautiful picture. I'll tell you what we did next. We got on our ponchos and we went glisslating, which I'm probably saying the word wrong, sledding down this uh, snow-packed iceberg at the glacier on the top of the mountain. And it was one of those days you'll never forget. We all need that perspective to know that God is with us, that he's called us to be with each other, to share our struggles. And every now and then we get that glimpse and he reminds us of how real he is. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that we don't need to live lives where we're uh, feeling like we're about to burn out all the time. You've given us help with a strong connection from you through the power of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A strong community of believers who not only walk with us through life, but share our struggles, share our dreams and our hopes. And I pray together as a community today that we be able to be perspective to other people so that they can see you. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.